The Athletic. Not so long ago, Deli Ali was widely regarded as the most exciting young player in world football, the poster boy for England's new generation of skill and tenacity. Widely regarded as the best 21-year-old in the world at one stage, he's been named in just three starting lineups all year. He's now 26, and those three starts have all come for three different teams, Tottenham, Everton, and last night for Besiktas. Joining us as we attempt to unravel the great Deli Alley mystery at the Athletics' Carl Anker and Jack Pitt-Brook. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. Great skill. Oh, what a goal! Oh, this young man is a sensation! I don't really blame Lampard for that because you're not really going to rebuild your whole formation just to squeeze in one guy who hasn't played well for three years. Stelle Ali likely to move to Turkey initially on loan. However, a permanent deal still hasn't been ruled out. And remember, this is a player... Uh, who only really just swapped Tottenham for Everton in the first place. And we can say, oh, we didn't fulfil his potential and whatnot. We like, well, if you look at Delhi's come up and all the things he had to get through to get to that point, to be part one Delhi, I think he's gone above and beyond what anyone probably thought he could be. Yeah, it's a new challenge for me and one I'm uh, looking forward to very much. Well, there are many reasons you would assume why Deli Ali's story has reached the stage that it has done. But if we go back to the very beginning, um, Carl, what what do you remember of of the MK Don's Wonder Kid back in 2015? And I, and I'll caveat this at the start. You know, I know David Pleat really well. David Pleat has scouted a lot of players in his time, and he would, in only the way that Pleaty could rave about Deli Ali. So he first came onto to my mind in the 4-0 victory NK Dons had over Manchester United in the League Cup. You know, very much viewed as the, one of the Nadirs of Louis van Gaal's era. But the thing that stuck out a lot about Deli Ali and Deli Ali's performance there was he was a, a physical phenomenon and he had a connective vision in attacking far beyond these years. And the thing that's always stood out about Deli Good Delhi Ali, I should say, is uh, I'm going to borrow a line from A View to a Kill, the shaky James Bond film. But uh, intuitive imagination is the secret to all genius. If you think about the good Delhi moves, it's how he very, very quickly figures out how to get to A to B and executes it before anyone else can. So it's it's the nutmegs, it's the back heels, it's, I mean, to my mind, one thing I thought was amazing. Uh, wasn't just the, the volley against Crystal Palace, but his assist for Lucas Moura against Ajax, right at the end of that hat-trick. Just that tiny little, I need to just eke out this little extra touch to get it to Lucas. And then maybe, just maybe, when Delhi's good, Delhi thinks quicker than anyone else in the room. And Delhi thinks in a way that, uh, again, to, to you know, the uh, stuffier, more academy elites might not necessarily think of. And that's why he's always been, well, that's why he used to be, I should say, such a captivating player. Jack? Yeah, I completely agree with Carl. I think that that rawness that he had, that, that kind of uniqueness, that sort of self-madeness that he, that Delhi had was really what, was one of the things, not the only thing that made him so special. The first time I saw him would have, in the flesh, would have been a Europa League group game between Tottenham and Carabag in September 2015. And I was watching the clip of it earlier 
And Delhi made a goal for Son, which would have actually right at the start of Son's Tottenham career too, where he he kind of ran down the line to get a, to collect a pass, did a brilliant kind of sort of drag back spin back inside, put the carabag left back on his behind, and then rolled the ball back to Son to tap into the net. And this was amazing because it was only you know this this was I think his second start for Tottenham, and then I think he he'd only made about four league starts in the Premier League for Spurs before Gareth Southgate put him in the England team. So it is incredible when you look back at just how quickly this kind of first stage of Deli Ali's career happened back in, you know, sort of his first year or two at Tottenham. But the the move didn't phase him though, did it, Jack? I mean, he got he got 10 goals in his first Premier League season, in his debut Premier League season. And in his first two years in the Premier League, he got PFA Young Player of the Year. I mean, maybe not Arsenal fans, maybe not some other fans of some other London clubs. But I think a lot of neutrals who weren't Tottenham fans were drawn to him because of the the romanticism of the story. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen anyone less phased in you know taking that first big step up into uh, elite level senior men's professional football than Deli Ali. He was completely self assured. He seemed completely kind of fully formed. It was, you kind of had to remind you, you had to double check his Wikipedia page and think, is he actually, I can't believe how young he is. It's it's incredible that he can play like this and with this amazing sort of confidence and swagger and style and, as Carl said, intuitive imagination. Like, he, he really was an absolute phenomenon. Like, I can't really think of anything anything quite comparable. Like, I, you know, I remember the, the arrival of Wayne Rooney, for example, he was, you know, he had a lot of those traits that I've just mentioned. That was, I was a bit younger when that happened, so... Well, perhaps like the arrival of Michael Owen was back in, mm. in the sort of in the nineties. I th- imagine would have been might might have been fairly similar, but certainly the yeah. last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, I suppose with those two, they they <laughs> to borrow Micah's phrase, they burst onto the scene <laughs> a little bit through through their respective youth systems. I suppose, I sp- which which is one side of the romantic side of football and then the other side of course is a lower league player going to a big Premier League club and then and then delivering they're the two things that yeah. we 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 invest in more than anything else actually don't we Carl it's the two sports films cliches almost yeah yeah it is yeah. so it's either the boy come good or, or, or the scrappy youngster from the other side of the tracks and the rawness the scrappiness the I mean even, even if you you like Delhi, you have to admit he's got a bit of an edge to him that makes him a pest to the opposition. Uh, I think my friend called him a, a bit of a lizard and that's why he loved him in the England team because he he wasn't afraid of picking up a yellow card when it was time to pick up a yellow card, shall we speak. So, and similar to Rooney, I'd say less so than Michael Owen, who I think just had sort of a prepubescent charm to him when he first burst in the scene, but Rooney and Delhi both came on and there's probably a smart way of saying this, look like men. Yeah. That you know, that was that was going to be my next point, Carl. Because when you when you when you meet him or interview him, you're like, Christ, you're you're, you're tall. You're yes. a lot bigger than yes. I was. You're a lot bigger than I was expecting you to be. Delhi's height always throws me off, uh, and I think this is because I mean, Pochettino Spurs was was a very tall team, uh, and Delhi spent much of that time stood next to Harry Kane, who's six foot two, ish. You know, Eric Dyer, six foot two ish. There's a lot of very tall players in that Spurs team, but you, so he looks he's shorter than those gentlemen, and you think, oh, he's he's, he's an average sized gentleman. And you walk, you see him up close, and you're like, wow, you are taller, leaner, and you've also got quite a thick neck. 
Um, I, had a, I, had a, I bumped into him recently in Manchester and we had a chat about suits. Uh, and uh, I went, yeah, I always forget how just physically different you are in real life. Uh, and I think, and one thing that, you know, in, in those early years, he was an absolute phenomenon at the third man run. He could, his appetite for that and how he ate up ground. And you know, there's been much talk about how he, he's not really a 10, but he's, he's closer to a second striker. But his ability to link up with Son and Kane and then to burst into that box at that late bit and be like, look, I am there and I'm going to keep making that run. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you can know it's coming, but I'm not going to stop you. Uh, that burst of pace probably got lessened due to a number of injuries. That is exactly it. And also, but the flip side of that is that it would, I mean, we might come on to this later, but it was, in my opinion, the losing of that appetite to keep making that run, mm-hmm. which has really marked, you know, the the second phase of that career. Like Delhi's, so much of Delhi's game, as well as the, the, the kind of technical skill and the intuition and the audacity was also about that hunger to keep breaking his neck to get into the box, get on the end of things. So many of his goals, particularly in his 18-goal season for, uh, for Tottenham, so many of his goals were about making that late run, getting on the end of the cross, like his two headers at White Hot Lane when they beat Conte's Chelsea in January 2017. And really, I think it was where, you know, for whatever re- you know, whatever combination of reasons, he lost the hunger to keep making that run and lost the hunger to keep trying to get on the end of things and stop trying to, you know, put put the ball away into the net. That he never really recovered from that because when you once you took out of that game, there wasn't really enough left. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about his strengths. We've talked we've talked about his early performances. If you go back to October 2018, he signed a new six-year deal at Tottenham. So and he and he come off a World Cup where he was integral. He'd scored in the quarterfinal, hadn't he, against against Sweden in Russia. Was that him at his peak around that stage, or were there already issues? Do you think? I think he'd already peaked by that point. I think that that contract was a bit of a compromise to uh, increase his salary and preserve his value at Tottenham. But I think, in truth, he should have. You know, maybe he should have left Tottenham before then, because Mauricio Pochettino certainly. You know, Mauricio is something we talked about a lot in this podcast but before Pochettino wanted clear outs of players at Tottenham long before they ever happened and Deli Alley was one of the players he wanted sold he thought that the the view at Tottenham was that Deli Alley had lost a bit of his hunger before this before this 2018 contract signing and you know I'm sure at, this, at the same point it would have suited Deli Alley to leave as well because I'm sure that you know at his peak Deli Alley would have thought well when am I going to get to Real Madrid when am I going to get Man United um, so I think it might have suited, I mean, it would be very upsetting for Tottenham fans at the time, but I think it might have suited all parties for him to be sold at that point. And really, the, this contract only happened because it was apparent that move wasn't going to happen, so they might as well keep his value up. I didn't know the, the finer details of why that contract w- was signed. In 2018, Daily Alley at the World Cup was solid, I think is probably the best way to describe that. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, there, there, he was beginning to lose some of that luster, and I think a lot of that was beginning was being chalked up to by injury problems. So he, he, he wasn't quite, he didn't quite have that initial first burst to get past players, and there were beginning to be tensions about his playing relationship with Harry Kane. So it looked as if Spurs were beginning to move away from a Delhi and, and Harry Kane holding hands to lead the attack because that was becoming slightly too predictable in, in, in the games, but. I mean, 2018, the, the idea was Delhi probably is no longer one of the 
best young players on the age of 25, but he's still up there. Uh, and you know, it, it's the thing of give him a bit of a rest, give him a bit of a hold, then he should come back and should be absolutely fine. But unfortunately, football doesn't necessarily always work that way. The other thing that really hurt Delhi at that point was the rise and rise of Son because when Delhi was at his best, in, like in Delhi's first two brilliant seasons, Son was there, but Son wasn't really playing that well. Like Son nearly left at the end of his first season. Mm-hmm. So Delhi could always have the responsibility for running beyond Kane getting into the box. Whereas Son, if he was playing, would be kind of shunted out on the left in a sort of 4 2 3 1 setup. Whereas the better and better Son got, the more it became apparent that Son had to be playing, you know, right to the middle, close to Kane. Those were kind of the spaces that, that Delhi was in. So while, you know, I think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of responsibility and blame and everything. And it's not just a case of putting it either on Delhi, all on Delhi or none on Delhi. But I think clearly the fact that Son was made himself undroppable just made it harder for Delhi to play on the pitch. And yeah. ultimately this forced Delhi deeper into positions where he wasn't so good, further away from goal, not really able to do his stuff quite so much. Yeah. Tactically speaking, you know, for all of Delhi's qualities, he's not a great passer and he's not a great dribbler. He, he's got the invention to beat his man with, with a little trick move. But if you go, there's a 10-yard run with the ball, go. It's not going to be the best of all time. Uh, and I think as Tottenham, especially around about 2018, as Christian Eriksen influence slowly declines. Tottenham stopped being a team that can sustain pressure and sustain attacks for a long period of time. You know, this also has a lot to do with Moussa Dembele aging out the team. They become more of a, a counter-attack maybe, long ball football. They, they played what you know someone described as air raid football, which is Moussa Sissoko gets the ball and you have to immediately get it as far forward as quickly as possible, which meant Delhi's true skills of I'm going to interpret space and make a third man run and I can keep doing this because we're going to get two dozen attacks a game become less likely, right? Delhi is a, is a high risk, high reward player and he used to be high in confidence and he used to do things in high volume. Within your answers there, there are so many different reasons why you could look at why it then went wrong for, for Delhi Ali. And, and, and therefore, if you're... If you're trying to find one reason, there probably isn't one reason, is there? Is there, Jack? I mean, Carl's mentioned Spurs' tactics changing because of some of the players around leaving or, or going into decline. He is one of, I would say, a group of Tottenham players who maybe declined with the exit of Maurizio Pochettino. There's probably some element of um, individual responsibility as well. And then he is not the first player to suffer at the hands of Jose Mourinho. You could probably, you know, there are so many different reasons there that make the whole package of why it, it started to go very wrong. Yeah, and, and as you say, he was kind of emblematic of Tottenham in the sense that his, you know, his rise mirrored the rise of the Tottenham and the Pochettino era. His peak came at the same time, sort of 2016-17. Uh, they then declined together, and you know, and even at that peak, what was Delhi? Delhi felt like the kind of symbol of the whole team. He was the sort of talent. I mean, even if Kane was the best player, like Delhi was the sort of talisman of the team because he he represented all the values of the Pochino's Tottenham. You know, they were, he was aggressive, he was physical, he was imaginative, he was sort of sparky. Um, he carried himself a certain way, and that I think is really why the Tottenham fans. He was also a bit of a tool, like yeah, right. He was a bit mean. Yeah, Pochettino Spurs bloodied the noses of bigger boys. Yeah, and. And there were bigger boys, there were richer kids, uh, 
and yeah. it was Delhi sort of smirk going, you know, I'm not afraid of you. Like, yeah. I can, you can hit me, but I want to hit you back hard. And that was, yeah. that's, if you look at the, the great Pochettino victories over the biggest, you know, Real Madrid, the Chelsea win, it was like, who cares? We'll rough it up. He was so good in those big games. Uh, there was the Monday night football where Pochettino was quite clearly angling for either the PSG or Manchester United jobs a couple of years ago. And Pochettino was speaking effusively about Dele Alli and, and how you sort of manage a talent who, who is that unique and perhaps doesn't necessarily have the the most uh, well-rounded football diet uh, in, on and off the pitch and, and in training and whatnot. But how, how when you have a player that can create in that manner, you, you really have to sort of build around him. I've been speaking to two of my Spurs friends, uh, Billy Mack and Will Donovan, and they you know, they say the difficult thing about Delhi is because of his weaknesses in possession, in passing and dribbling, you need to put him in a team that has good players around him. You have to build around him, but also you have to put a lot of very good players around him. And it's that thing of, I'm not quite sure if a team that wants to win the Premier League or the team that wants to win the big trophies can can carry a Deli Alley anymore. So then you have to look a bit lower in the table and that's where things start getting a bit sticky. Yeah, I definitely think that's been one of the big issues really in the in the last few years has been this role that Pochettino made for him was such a distinctive role, which was a perfect marriage of kind of Pochettino's style of play and of Delhi's unique skill set. But then whenever it was floated that he might leave Tottenham, I could never quite figure out what role would he play in a different team? Because as we said, he's not a mid like he just isn't a midfielder. And he's not really a number ten either. And really, if he were to go into another team, I think his best role is as a kind of second striker. A second striker who can press a bit and whose main job is to get on the end of things. But that, that, that's not really a role that teams have. Like, teams just don't really play that way. And we saw this at Everton. Like, you know, he went in and he Lampard didn't really know how to use him. And I don't really blame Lampard for that because, you know, if you're a team that's trying to stay up, you're not really going to rebuild your whole formation just to squeeze in one guy who hasn't played well for three years. But it's really... so. And even now, I mean, I, to be honest, I didn't watch Besiktas against Sivaspol last night. I don't know what role Deli Ali played, but I just, I just don't know what role Deli Ali plays for a team that isn't Pochino's Tottenham twenty fourteen to twenty nineteen. Like it just, it's just, it's still a big question mark. And I think until, and I don't know if it will ever be solved. I'm very, very disappointed you didn't watch. Watch Besiktas last night, Jack. Well, it wasn't on. on TV, Mark. He didn't like. He didn't well, last the night. I was desperate to watch. I was desperate to watch it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Looking it for a TV. hooky feed somewhere. <laughs> were you? <laughs> <laughs> um, his position is. I just find the, his position a really interesting discussion for for someone to be so successful as he was without having without anybody actually being able to say what what's his what's his best role? I mean, Jack's just, just summed that up there, Carl. It's really, it's a really fascinating discussion. It's, uh, one, it speaks to how, I mean, this this afflicts more than one young English player. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're, if you listen to this and you are, you support Manchester United, then I'm sure he's very good, but we don't quite know his position can be used to describe, you know, Manchester United's highest goal scorer, Wayne Rooney. You can also be used to describe yeah, yeah. Marcus Rashford. It, the way we're describing Delhi is not too dissimilar from the discussions we will probably be having by Christmas about Bruno Fernandes as well. My friend Billy said Delhi's rise is essentially bottled lightning. Right? You've just got a fantastic, young, energetic, physical marvel, great invention 
gets into a team that just needs a little bit of star quality to from a deeper position to take some of the burden off Harry Kane and pff, you're off to the races. And I think something that we will probably end up talking about is Delhi's approach to training and why the next bit of his career then happened. Because a problem that occurs a lot with young English players that come up very quickly, and I'm pleased I'm carrying this with the asterisk of I don't read too much non-English media, so this might affect yeah. other nations. Yeah. But it's it's the, the you know the phenomenon where you come on the scene, you're very good at three or four things, and you are consistently coached on how to improve those three or four things instead of being coached on some of your weaknesses at the same time. So perhaps there probably should have been a point where a coach should have taken Delhi aside and gone, right, this is how you pass in possession and work on these things. This is how you uh, look on ball retention because not every single pass you're going to make is going to lead to that great third man run. And that didn't quite happen for Delhi. So that meant when Delhi lost it, and you can describe it as intuitive imagination or the physical ability or whatnot, uh, and became slightly more ordinary in the things he was fantastic about, he didn't have the the bedrock or the fundamentals that he could rely upon to just keep playing at a, at a consistent rate. There are some players who they know how to have a six out of 10 because they just know here's a five-yard pass all the time. Delhi didn't have that. That that takes us slightly off De- Delhi, but and we'll come back to his training in a second. But that is a, that's also a very fair point, that Jack and and I've heard that from other players who are now retired who broke into a first team at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and when you break in that early, the individual coaching that you got in the youth team, under 18s, whatever it may be, into under 23s, disappears somewhat in favour of the team ethic and systems and shape and all of all of the other stuff. So you lose that kind of one-on-one teaching time, I've heard some people say. So unless you are probably a Rooney, <laughs> yeah. and the, you know, who who is, you know, just gifted and gifted and gifted, Maybe you do go backwards a little bit with some, even even some of the stuff that you're very good at, because you're not being taught it or coached it as an individual anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but I'm sure that makes total sense with regards to Deli Alley, because clearly, as you know, as we've discussed, one of the big, I think, frustrations of the second half of Deli's career really is the is the way that he has not been able to be kind of like. Um, plug and play like he's he's proven to be not really effective at all under any other system other than Pochettino Spurs like whether that was Everton or the various top managers that Tottenham have had since Mauricio like he's it, it, and that and that suggests to me that he was only like when he wasn't playing within the specific Pochettino system uh executing the specific kind of Pochettino style of play he didn't really have his skills that ultimately didn't prove to be that transferable there's a Wayne Rooney quote. That he said, so he, apparently he went to, to Marcus Rashford, just just go out there and express yourself and don't worry about certain things. And it was one of those great sort of, oh, Rooney's passing your knowledge to Marcus Rashford. It's fantastic. But I, I remember Grace Robertson, Grace on Football on Twitter, raised this very interesting point of, if you just keep expressing yourself in your early eight, in your early ages where you're quicker and stronger and faster than everyone else, what happens when you hit, reach your mid-20s and you can't do that and you don't know what the other stuff is? because no one's ever taught it to you. Uh, and I think that's the, the the plug and play bit. I think one reason why fans hope Delhi would be able to find something at Everton would be just the change of scenery, 
just the idea of the last couple of years at Tottenham were so dulling his spirit that in going to another city, he can go, like, oh, right, you know, new, new scenarios, new inspirations. I can start having a bit more intuitive imagination again and, and reconnect that. Because the, the technical aspect, is Dele Alli going to be, be a better pass? Is Dele Alli going to be better at, at ball retention? Is Dele Alli going to be more of a viable player in a counter-attacking system? I think those answers are probably not, right? The best version of Dele you're going to get is a slightly diminished version of the player he was in 2018. And the teams that could use that are lower down the football pyramid. They are not teams that will want to be competing in the Champions League semi-finals, shall we say. You mentioned Everton. We're going to move on to Everton uh, next. We'll talk about uh, this move to Turkey that he has made. Then we'll hear from our Everton correspondent, Greg O'Keefe, on the Athletic Football Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, hi, Chappers. Deli Ali's Everton career as such was a calculated gamble, I think. Frank Lampard inherited him, really. He was presented as an option um, by Fard Mishiri and the board, right back to, to Frank's first interview for the job you know this is someone we're looking at and I think Lampard thought look if we can get him anywhere near the level he was at Tottenham then clearly it'll be a really good signing Everton were protected uh, in the deal financially and obviously the the way it's happened they haven't had to pay a fee at all for him so it was a gamble worth taking if he had made 20 appearances I think the logic was he was someone worth keeping and he was maybe getting close to the level that made him such a compelling player for Tottenham and one of the brightest young talents in the game. I think really, though, his time at Merseyside, on Merseyside was probably more characterised by a sluggishness in training often. And I think Frank Lampard had to speak about that again and again. Not explicitly call him out for a lack of effort, but he would talk about Delhi needing to show on the training ground that desire and that effort. And it's the right thing. I think... Uh... It hasn't worked out for Delhi here for different reasons. Can go there now, hopefully, play games, have success, help him personally, help us, and we'll, we'll review it through the year and obviously at the end of the season. Quite damning, really, when you think about how often Lampard's spoken those terms. And uh, occasionally you could see it on the pitch. However, he did buy into Everton's um, unity that Lampard built towards the back end of the season that ultimately kept Everton up. And he, he contributed on the pitch as well. You know, he wasn't starting games a lot, but... You know, decent spell, uh, turn against Leicester in an important win. And um, obviously that huge, huge win against Crystal Palace at Goodison right at the back end of the season that, that kept Everton up. Delhi's turn from the bench was pivotal in Everton turning that game around and getting the win. So he'll be remembered fondly for that. Probably not for much else, if truth be told. So it'll be a case of a bit of a shame and what might have been perhaps. But ultimately... Everton and Delhi move on. He was popular in the dressing room. I think it was frustrating for Lampard, but generally he wasn't a bad egg. He's not someone who he's had a hugely negative experience with. Just that overriding sense of frustration.
Did you have optimism, Jack, about his move to Everton? Your face would suggest not. I wanted to be optimistic because I wanted him to do well and I wanted to see him playing his good football again. But I thought that by that point, the direction of his career was clear, really. Like, it was it, it was clear that he hadn't played well. I mean, look, he hasn't scored a, a non-penalty goal in the Premier League since January 2020. Like, he hasn't played really... He, even, even the times that he played well for Tottenham in the last few years were... Um, Nuno used to give him a job playing central midfield in a 4-3-3. And basically, his job was just to to run around and there wasn't really any creativity. It was all about it was all about running. And look, he remains a very good runner. Like his running stats were always fantastic at Tottenham, even in in the recent years. But there was no there wasn't really any evidence that he had rediscovered much of what made him so good. Like there were little glimmers at Tottenham I when one or two games he played under Conte, I thought he actually looked fine. But um, clearly he wasn't in Conte's plan. So I just thought the direction of travel was so clear that the idea that he could rebuild himself at Everton, I thought was kind of unlikely. I thought he would end up going to MLS quickly. Not, I, But, you know, it's kind of turned out not too different from that by him going to Turkey. I can understand the Everton trajectory. And, and one problem I have, and I've discussed this quite often with with members of Alex Dog is if I'm doing if I'm computating a club for a player to go to, and I go, oh, this player has three things they're very good at, but two things they're not great at, and one thing that's it. Yeah. My brain goes, ah, oh, Everton, Everton's a good fit because <laughs> Everton are, are have that sort of. I'm very sorry if you're an Everton fan you listen to this. I do this every season when I go, here's all the players from the relegated clubs that Premier League teams should be trying to buy. I often have a don't predict Everton button. Um, because Everton is, if you're good, but a bit, but also flawed. So, I mean, from that sort of an ear, yes, I can see how Deli Ali ended up at Everton because he he used to be good. He's very good at certain things. He he's not been good for a while, and that unfortunately means Everton. You're in Everton orbit, but also Everton's not a good place to go if you want to get better. Even 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 if. Lampard and look, we can debate the merits of Frank Lampard's management, but you would you would have thought, as a recent player, in in and this takes us back to where does Deli Ali play? Mm-hmm. But as a recent player with, you know, that area of the pitch roughly mm-hmm. as his as as his area of expertise, is that would that not just be a slightly bigger tick than just it's Everton? Slightly is the key word, and I think and I don't want to get into a discourse about Frank Lampard, but but his Chelsea spell raised some big questions as to how Frank Lampard ran a midfield, and raised some big questions as to what Frank Lampard thought Frank Lampard was good at. Brought brought, brought through some some young players, though, admittedly through necessity. It's through necessity, so I'll only give partial credit. So the big thing with Frank Lampard, I always get is one. I mean, Frank Lampard's Everton seemed to be a fantastic experiment in getting as many third man run players in as possible because he clearly wants. The fun thing about Lampard and Steven Gerrard as managers is Steven Gerrard is creating teams that would have disliked a Steven Gerrard, uh, and Frank Lampard is creating teams that have multiple Frank Lampards, which I think find quite amusing. Uh, to go back to Delhi, I think he had to leave London. And I, I think that was the big one that made everyone go, this is encouraging. It very much felt like it wasn't just Tottenham that he had to leave, but he also had to leave London and the London scene, 
you know, we know Deli Ali has uh, an interior life that involves sometimes going to parties and whatnot. And, and it felt as if if, if Delhi could leave London, could leave Tottenham Hotspur, can find a new environment, can just just have a bit of newness to him, he might have you know the cognitive sparks might flare up again, and he and he can be the player he wants to be. The problem with Everton was there were tactically a, a mess, and they're playing counter attack football. Right, a, a, a lot of Everton's attacks at the moment are playing that sort of air raid style football that Tottenham Hotspur were playing in 2018 when Delhi was beginning to be phased out of that team. And that was the concern. And it was the idea of maybe he could have a good season and a half, season or two at Everton. I think even I think if you, you ask people within Delhi's camp or anyone who wanted this spell at Everton to go well, I don't think anyone wanted Delhi to stay at Everton for the rest of his career as well. It was the, the hope it would be a tune-up. I'm really sorry if you're Everton fan. This feels really insulting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be this mean. I think it's a bit of a red herring blaming Frank Lampard. You know, no, I mean, look, you know, n- nothing against Lampard, but better managers than Lampard have failed to get anything out of Delhi. Like if Mourinho, if Mourinho and Conte can't get Delhi to perform, then oh, I think it's kind of unlikely that, that Lampard I, would. And that's not a dig at Lampard. Let's look at the order of, of the managers, right? So you have Mauricio Pochettino. You're playing in a in a team that be able to sustain attacking pressure, and you're making third man runs, and then you. You start start getting injured. Then Jose Mourinho comes in and moves. You know Tottenham continue this trajectory where they're playing quite direct attacks. You know Mourinho teams attack very very quickly. You can see it in his Roma team. Delhi's not really that player. He needs to play in a team that wants to win the ball high up the field, and then he can burst into the box and do certain things. Nuno comes in, and you will have to explain to me what Nuno's tactics were because they just seem to be Mourinho tactics with a slightly nicer face. Uh, and then Conte comes in and he's all about structured attacking play. You know, most Conte teams after a while end up attacking you in a 4-2-4 shape. Uh, and it's all about structure and it's all about very little improvisation. It's these are your spaces, stay in these spaces and you attack those spaces because when you do that, that means that thing over there, which meant no space for Dele. Then you go to Lampard and Lampard is running a, a sort of laggier, older software version of what Mourinho was doing at Tottenham Hotspur as well. So it's not just these managers. It's also tactically, he's going through a run of managers that just don't have space for that sort of player. And then you can go on to the the, the softer stuff. So I'm not blaming Lampard and saying Lampard's a terrible manager and whatnot, whatnot. I, I mean, I can do that in a different discussion. But I do think the Everton that Delhi was walking into with Frank Lampard in charge and the football that Frank Lampard wanted to play was not best suited for Delhi. And... At best, it would have been he he had a good year, year and a half, and then gone, right, I'm going to tr- please try and get me a, a club back up the pyramid, more better suited to my talents. So I guess what this comes down to is, do you think if Delhi had gone to a team which plays a style of play suited to him, he would still be good? Because I don't. I'm for, the fact that I've paused means my answer is probably no. So I'm also going to ask, ask, I'm going to ask, you know, give you another question. Name that team in the Premier League. That could play to Delhi's strength. No one really jumps out at me at the moment as being such a team. And that's 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 the I think that will be the, the, the chewy nougat that will go on forever and ever and ever, which is just he is such a unusual player that even when he's good, the teams in the Premier League that could accommodate a talent like that are I mean, if you squint and turn your head and and, and really, really think hard, maybe Graham Paul might have a use for him playing off. Danny Welbeck, maybe is he, and he certainly won't have been the first footballer to to have suffered from from this, Jack. But um, 
Carl mentioned, you know, off the off the field concerns uh, and uh, parties in London. Greg, in his article about Delhi's time at Everton, wrote some at the club didn't see him as a typical Everton player, occasionally detached and concerned in some quarters that his business activities outside of football, such as his clothing line, could be unhelpfully influencing players such as Gordon Calvert-Lewin or Tom Davis, which encapsulates two, two things that wind me up more than anything about how we look at footballers. One, that if they have other business interests, they can't be interested in football, which drives me around the bend. And secondly, like what they wear is, is of any issue at all. The, those things follow Delhi around as, as, a, as an implied form of criticism. Yeah, they do follow Delhi around. Uh, it's something you hear a lot about Delhi that, you know, he he likes to party, he's too interested in his off the field can his off the field businesses and his clothing, all that sort of thing. Honestly, I don't know how much that explains what has happened to him over the last sort of four years. Like I just I just don't know the answer to that question. I certainly think he has lost a lot of his appetite for the game. Uh, I do think he, he's lost you know, he's lost the hunger that made him such a special player. But I can't, I'd be lying if I said that I could draw a straight line between that and, you know, doing ads for Boohoo or whatever. I think those kind of things always, you know, they're, they're a convenient stick to beat a player with, but I think they yes. are often given too much kind of, they are asked to bear too much explanatory weight. You you wrote, Carl, interestingly, which follows on from this point, when he, when he made the, the move to Everton, after 65 minutes of his game time, there'd been three separate big discussions about Dele Alli, none of which had anything to do with his performance on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Much of the discussion was was over the clothes. He made his uh, announcement at Goodison. He was wearing some rather rascal jeans and a big pair of trainers. And, it, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the quiet part loud. This is the discussion we have about black football players. Right, so the the accusations of black football players being obsessed with their bling and being obsessed with partying and and spending their money and whatnot, which you know, it, if we really look on it, it's the <clears throat> very <clears throat> old fashioned uh, colonialist thinking that black people cannot be trusted with money uh, and they need uh, some smarter person around them to tell them what to do. Um, my my personal opinion is that that I don't care what car he drives, what what clothes he wears. As long as I get a lad that comes to training every day, wants to improve every day, respects the club, respects his teammates, and then produce, you know, and give everything to produce. There is a layer of that in a lot of Delhi discussion, in that Delhi apparently is not smart enough to, to figure out certain things that a more well-to-do football player or well-to-do football person should figure out, which makes me quite uncomfortable. Um, so, <laughs> Delhi's, if, if you look at, into Delhi's, family history and whatnot i mean we are all more well adjusted than we have any right to be based on the things we have been through and delhi in particular the fact that he is a premier league football player the fact that he was a premier league football player who was that good that young and did it repeatedly for for so many seasons at Tottenham hotspur and yes you can talk about part two but part one delhi is an absolute triumph and he should always be proud of that and no one can ever take that away from him and we can say, oh, we didn't fulfill his potential and whatnot. He's like, well, if you look at Delhi's come up and all the things he had to get through to get to that point, to be part one Delhi, I think he's gone above and beyond what anyone 
probably thought you could be. So we should say that, and, and I think that should be a thing. And the discussion about whether Delhi is too invested in Instagram life and or DMing certain individuals, I think that's besides the point. What about part three Delhi then? If part one Delhi was great, part two Delhi was at Everton, part three Delhi is now on loan at Besiktas. Where does Delhi Ali go from here, Jack? Well, I would, I would love him to do really well at Besiktas, rediscover his appetite for football, and come back. It's not unprecedented that somebody should go to a fringe league and come back. Uh, Nicholas and Elka left Manchester City for Fenerbahce, then came back to Bolton. Had a brilliant late twenties at Chelsea. Um, Colin Casm Richards went out to play in some fringe leagues and then came back and did and did well in English football. Ravel Morrison had a season at Atlas in Mexico, came back and did well in English football. Aidan Nagidi went to Spartak Moscow, came back and did pretty well in English football. Yeah. So it's it's not impossible, but it's it it feels kind of, you know maybe maybe after Beshik maybe Besiktas won't extend his loan. You know, maybe he'll be back at Finch Farm next season. Uh, so it's, I don't think I'm sure English football hasn't seen the last of Delhi Ali, but I guess the harder the harder question is, has English football seen the last of good Delhi Ali? And I think the answer to that is probably yes. Like it's it is un, it feels very remote to me that Delhi Ali will come back and be good, like as good as we know that he can he has been in the past. Simply because you know, generally speaking, when players hit that downward trajectory, they don't come out of it. Um, this, the the kind of sad and strange thing in this case is that that downward trajectory started when Delhi was 22. Mm. I agree with Jack. I think we will probably not see a Delhi Ali as good as the one we saw in 2017. I think the chances of us seeing a Delhi that can score 18 league goals at the top table are probably less likely. Uh, he will become a player. And I think you, 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 very, you, you can still be a very much a useful moments player and he will... I'm going to assume he's going to be in our social media feed for the next five years, not making people. And, oh, did you see what Deli Ali did for Football Club X in league game here that you might not necessarily see because it's not in the Premier League or, or in the top half of the Premier League? And he will do great things. I am. I'm, you know, look forward to the Instagram or the TikTok video where he scores an amazing free kick goal. Uh, but in terms of is Dele Alli going to be playing in a Champions League quarterfinal again? Probably not. Lampard had an interesting line on this the other day when he said he was giving some pretty, uh, pardon the pun, frank assessment of what's happened to Delhi. And, and Lampard said, having worked closely with him for a period, I have to say he really does need to understand the relation of training and focus and what that means to performance at the higher level. And then he said... Um, this sport, he has to do it. Every player has to do it. This sport is too elite at the top end. If you want to be in that bracket or be influential at a club like Everton or Tottenham or anywhere, it is just too elite. Um, and I think what's what's really telling there is it shows that you can't just be a talented player who doesn't really fancy it that much and still be like a big a big success at big clubs mm-hmm. anymore. Like you really like the the Premier League. It's just so demanding now in terms of the mental application it takes in players every single day. And if you look at, I don't know, like, I mean, say Harry Kane, for example, who came up at more or less the same time as Delhi and has stayed at the top of the Premier of, uh, at Tottenham ever since he made his debut eight years ago 
and is showing no signs of fading. Like, his mentality is ridiculous, but because of, you know, because of how the Premier League has changed now, there's no, there's no room to even be, like, to 2 or 3% off it in terms of daily mental application. And that, I mean, in, so in a sense, part of me thinks that maybe Delhi has been a bit, you know, born 10 years too late, perhaps, because, or 15 years too late, because of how, you know, the, the increasing prof- like pro- professionalism and demands of the modern game. Yeah, I think it's not just Frank Lampard's comments, but also if you watch All or Nothing, Tottenham Hotspur, I was shocked, agog at how. Oh, I was I was shocked at how much of it went through, of just how much it revealed Deli Ali isn't the most uh, intense at training. De- you know, multiple times Jose Mourinho is going lazy, lazy trainer. There's a bit where. Uh, you know, they sort of have a cheer and he, he slaps him and goes lazy and Daddy's like, what, me? And they have a laugh and there's another bit where, where they're in the classroom and he goes, this guy, lazy, cuts to Daddy and Daddy's smiling. Which, uh, one, lets me leads me to think that's a conversation they've had a lot. And two, makes me think it's not necessarily laziness in terms of he's not running, but it's the, the question of the intensity of what she runs during training. So there's a little bit where Mourinho is saying, see this, he's like on the thing going, this, this pass this pass is lazy. If you do it in the game and it's quick, then the counter-attack is on and it's dead. You do get the feeling that good Delhi under Pochettino understood that. And maybe he did pass lazily or without the correct intensity in training. But you put him in the big game setting, his you know, intuitive imagination and his heat up with how everything went and he could just make that pass and he wouldn't even think about what's the correct intent because he just did that. He just did. And, and then as things changed around him at Tottenham Hotspur and as Malays happened, he couldn't switch it on anymore. And I think that's the concerning bit for all players that are more instinctual rather than repeat motions all the time. You know, we know there's a bit in, in All or Nothing where Mourinho says Delhi is lazy in training he's not a Harry Kane at training Harry Kane believes in the gambler's paradox he's watched that Tom Brady documentary and decided he's going to ape the goat of NFL Uh, whereas I think Delhi was sort of training is training and then football is football and and until you can put those two things together you're always going to have a ceiling on what you can do what I want to tell you basically is this Um, I think you feel that I like it yeah. You feel. I like you as a player and I like you also as a kid. I think you are a nice kid. There is a huge difference between a player that keeps consistency and a player that has moments. And that is what makes a difference between a top, top player and a player with the top potential. I am 56 now and yesterday, yesterday, I was... 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. And today I'm 56. Time flies, time flies. And I think one day, I think you will regret if you don't reach what you can reach. For all the latest transfer news in the run-up to Thursday's deadline and Loads more besides. Subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months. Theathletic.com slash football pod. And remember, you can catch Jack on our twice-weekly Tottenham podcast, The View from the Lane. And Carl is, of course, a regular on the Manchester United Talk of the Devils pod. All available 
wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free, of course, on The Athletic. Now, while we were recording this one, Bournemouth sacked Scott Parker. So I'll be back tomorrow to delve into that. Make sure you subscribe to this feed so you don't miss a show. The Athletic.